Hi, welcome to episode four of the Muck Podcast, where we cover all sorts of crazy things in American politics. I'm Tina. And I'm Hillary. And here we go. Hillary, what's going on? Tell me. Um, you know, same old, <laughs> same old shit every day. Well, we, I got home at one o'clock in the morning. Because, oh my goodness. I know, I know. We volunteered at the HRC Gala, which was so awesome, right? And then um, I stayed to have a drink. And I went up to the after party, and it was like a cash bar fine. I ordered a gin and tonic. They give me the check. Okay? $22. $22 too much. That's $20 too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It should be free, first of all. Okay, yeah. fine. I'll pay the $22, but then it's like... uh I mean, was it, high, was, it, was it high-level gin, or was it still behind it was the bar? Is that, I don't mean, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm just but wondering, I, like, I was, like, are, they, are they top? on the ice yeah. cubes to, like, get every last ounce of the, the alcohol on it, but it was yeah, fine. I feel like 20 bucks, they better be giving you, like, the top label brand, yeah. at least, yeah. or, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it it just was worth well... it. Like, you know, you get to dance and have a good time, and so it was totally, I, it's like $22 oh, fun. Of, of fun. You know what I mean? There was dancing. I, I went home. I, I was like, hey, um... Well, the person that I brought with me, um, my my lovely friend, uh, Aaron, was like, we got to get out of here because the cars <laughs> with the valet. And he was right. We went down there. And as soon as I walked out the door, it was a line of people yeah. with a very few valet uh, right. personnel. And I said, So Man, that's why you stay till one in the morning. That's why you, you stay till one. You either leave early <laughs> or you stay late. But there's no in between. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such an adult thing to think about. Like you're thinking forward to the valet. Yeah. Like you know, that's so adult. Well, yes. you, can, you know, when you're in your 20s, nobody, you no don't one think cares. about shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. I was like, I got to get home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, oh, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to, uh, I'm so glad we are. Re- redoing this for the fifth time so uh, yes. I yeah we had we had some technical difficulties with the mic yeah um so i wanted to upfront promote our instagram yeah you know what i mean and so if you go to the muck podcast you can see uh the photos that we show each other and the episodes it also gets shared to our facebook but uh please go on there follow us on instagram follow us on on facebook and um also if you are on apple podcast if you're listening to this on apple podcast it takes two seconds to click five stars. Yes, we need those ratings. We we want <laughs> to keep review, making this. Subscribe to it so you get the new episodes every week. It helps us know uh, how many people are listening. It shows Apple. It'll pop it up on the on the list in Apple, and so people can find us. It's the least you can do <laughs> for us, please. Yes, is just, please help us you know, out. Subscribe and. Um, and and show show some love for us and our all the work that we're doing here. So. Yes, and you know, like I said, we really want to keep making this amazing content, and we're having so much fun, and we've been getting such wonderful feedback, and we just wanna we want to keep it going. So yes. we'd appreciate any support you want to give us, and any shares that you know, share, 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 like yes. spread the word for us too. And thank you, and thank you for yes. listening. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, to all so of episode you. four, you are first. Yes, I'm very excited. All right, let's go. So okay. I'm going to tell you the story of James Traficant, and he uh, is a former congressman who served nine terms in the U.S. House of Representatives for Ohio's 17th District from 1985 to 2002. But <laughs> I always have to have my little line. The line between right and wrong got a bit mucky for our boy Jimbo, and his story is corrupt 
criminal, and crooked. So here Ooh, we go. Our favorite, our Ooh, favorite kind. I know. This guy, I, I really enjoyed researching this because uh, this, this, this man was very, very interesting and such a character, as, as you guys will see. So the story takes place in Youngstown, Ohio, which is part of Mahoning County in Ohio. And um, it's a small city with about 65,000 people. And I'm going to tell this little story about uh, growing up. We used to go to Youngstown quite a bit, and a lot of Italians settled there. We used to go there. I remember one particular time going to uh, an Italian festival. They have an annual Italian festival oh, there. Oh, I love Italian festivals. You know, festivals. yeah. Yes. And uh, I remember I probably was maybe like 10 years old and had such a, a fun time that it's a, it's a, a, a strong memory for me. But... Um, a lot of Italians settled there because a lot of Italians that came over, the immigrants were factory workers, the blue-collar workers, and they worked in the steel in industry. Right. And that's what drew them to that particular area of Ohio. So Youngstown is this um, small town that is sort of nestled between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. It's an hour away from Pittsburgh and about an hour and 20 minutes away from Cleveland. And uh, La Cosa Nostra, the, the mob... <laughs> Um, at that time had an interest in that area because of where it was situated. And so both uh, mobsters from the Pittsburgh mob affiliates and the Cleveland mob affiliates wanted, they were vying for control of the Mahoning Valley. And it grew to have a nickname of Crime Town USA mm. because the mobsters are fighting amongst one another. And Youngstown is right there in that uh, valley. So um, the other thing that Youngstown was known for is the method in which the gangsters would deal with people. So outside from people disappearing without a trace, which is sort of, I guess, a common thing that the mob does, right? Someone's just gone. Um, or or the, I always think of like the old, um, you know, even like the Chicago days of the mob and you have the you know, barber shops and other things where like these these shootings would take place yeah. so there would be that kind of thing but in Youngstown they had what was known as the Youngstown tune-up <laughs> which was where people's cars would be bombed it was if oh you got a Youngstown tune-up that meant that your your car was rigged to blow up so um a little side story that I'm going to share that Hillary has heard but I'm, I'm going to share it again with all of you <laughs> is that in the surrounding areas also had a similar sort of way of dealing with people. And there was um, uh, a family relative, as the story goes, that uh, had a Youngstown tune-up uh, done. And thankfully, <laughs> oh, thankfully, maybe the, the wires were crossed and, and he uh, nothing happened to him and it blew up without incident for him. Um, but supposedly he got a little help with a career move um, and... In return, they wanted him to marry someone in their family, and he didn't want to. And so oh they gosh. were like, oh, you don't want to marry her? Okay, we helped you out, and now, now, now you're going to pay up. And thankfully, you know, nothing bad happened. But just the thought that, you know, uh, you didn't go along with what they asked of, of you. Course. That now your life is on the line. Yes. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's they cuckoo. don't mess around. They do not. So um, our guy, Trafficant, um, whose original name was Trafficanti, grew up around all of this and allegedly, again allegedly, <laughs> had mob connections. But before we get into that main issue, um, I want to give a little bit of that background on Jimbo. 
And from 1980 to 1983, he served as sheriff of Mahoning County. And people liked him because he was the supporter of the little guy. He was someone that stood up for the people in that community, especially the blue collar workers in that community. And there's a famous story of him going to jail and fighting and going up against the banks and refusing to foreclose on houses because uh, certain people couldn't make the payments. And he, you know, he, he uh, took a stand and I, you know, I feel like that's a noble thing to say, Hey, I'm, I'm, as someone who is representing you or in this position, like I'm going to go to bat for you and actually mean it. Right. Because a lot of times you people say like, yeah, I'll stand up for you, but they don't. So that when, when he went to jail, this was something that really endeared him to the people of that area as like, this is a guy who says what he means. He does what he says and, and they could kind of trust that. Right. Um, so Again, we have people in that area that are reeling from the loss of steel jobs. It's in the early 80s and um, maybe some being unable to make payments on their homes and things like that. And so that was something, again, that they really liked about this guy. But three years into that sheriff position, he's facing RICO charges. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So um, I have to mention The Sopranos and that wonderful (laughs) scene of Dr. Melfi working with Tony Soprano uh, early on in season one. And she asks him about, you know, how are things, what's going on? And he uh, says that he's worried about Rico and her response is, <laughs> oh, your brother? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no. And so, and she's mortified. So Rico stands for Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. And that act, quote, extended criminal penalties and a civil cause of action for acts performed as part of an ongoing criminal organization. So this basically means that the government is permitted to prosecute organized crime and they're permitted to take various means in order to gather evidence and sort of build a case against these uh, people. So in 1983, he goes on trial for corruption charged under RICO. And allegedly there are these tapes uh, where he indicates that on tape he he talks about uh, accepting more than a hundred thousand dollars in bribes from the mob Mm. so essentially he promises not to interfere with any mob business specifically gambling in those areas so but did they get him on tape were they taping the people from the mob and then just happened upon that no 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 no. they were like looking at him no. Okay. So um, am I asking questions? That no, are no, 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 no. Okay. This is per- no. I'm I'm going to get to that. So it's a good question because you would think maybe the maybe like the mis- feds like are on to happened him. upon it upon it. They do happen upon it. Okay. So the thing that's interesting though is that he played Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So he was sort of with the Cleveland guys, mm. but he also took money from Pittsburgh. Oh man! And then Cleveland finds out that you know. He's, he's taken money from them, too. And so the Cleveland mob, uh, it was this guy, Charlie the Crab. I love oh the name. That's best. one of my favorite part of, of the gangster yeah. life is the nicknames. Yeah. But this guy, Charlie the Crab, <laughs> is worried about his allegiance because he's like, look, how much money did you take from them? How much are you taking from us? And he wants to know. But during that conversation, Charlie the Crab is taping him. Ooh. So Charlie the Crab is the one that, that's getting him on tape. And so um, the FBI comes across those tapes through a separate investigation. They oh, happen to okay. find these tapes, 
and then they hear his name and now they're like well let's start looking into it Mm -hmm. there are some there is this little side story but i couldn't get any official confirmation like in any legal documents um where the wife of charlie the crab supposedly may have tipped off the fbi because charlie the crab is one of those guys that disappeared without a trace and she suspected that trafficant maybe had something to do with it. <gasps> Mrs. Crab said this? Yes. Oh, my and God. And so she maybe tipped off the feds, but I, I couldn't get, you know, that's, that was like sort of a side story. The only thing I saw sort of in other articles was that the feds were doing some other investigation and, and they were in whatever, and they found these tapes and then listened to them, and that's how they found out. Mm. So who knows? Um, I don't have clear confirmation. So trafficant now with no legal training, right? He is not a lawyer. He's a cop. He decides oh, to he's... defend himself <laughs> in Yay! this Rico case. Oh, so that's I love it. I, love I, it. I mean, it's bonkers. That's called proceeding pro se. Hmm. And it's, but it's like all those sociopaths. Or it's also called, I'm a dumb A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It is for most of the time, right? Because you have Ted Bundy, right? Who's oh, famously. It's this ego, like it's weird. Ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Charles Manson, right? They yeah. think they can outwit the law. They think mm-hmm. that they are so brilliant. But in this case, he is one of the rare people. And I think he is one. I think he's he's one of the only people who has ever defended himself against a RICO charge and won by defending himself. Come on. Yes. So he won over the jury, but this is a jury of his peers. Remember where he's from? Oh, girl. Remember that reputation? They're like, no, this is the guy that stands up. This is the guy that's there for us. He gets acquitted. Holy shit. They need to get him out of that area to try him somewhere else. Well, wow. they didn't. Okay. So his didn't, and this is the other thing that I loved is that the defense that his defense was that uh, he was like, "Look, guys, I was really I don't like the mob. I was going under on a secret undercover oh, mission in a secret sting operation that no one knew about but me because <laughs> I love this. I love you people so much, yeah. and I'm taking this on myself, and I'm going undercover." And I did this all because... And I'm going to keep the money. I'm going to catch these back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'll keep... get that money. <laughs> yes. But it's because it's, it's for my secret lair that I'm now building right. under my right. house. <laughs> so, you know, he and this one-man show, like, we're going to do the right thing. And the hook, line, and sinker, this jury buys it. Amazing. And there we go. He also claimed, because the way that they submitted the campaign funds, because you got to keep, you know, like a, a paper trail of that when people are donating money to right. a campaign. right. So they did it through ticket sales. Like we're, we're fundraising, we're selling tickets. I don't remember quite what the, the tickets were sold for, like what the item or what the event or whatever it was. Um, he claims that he thought it was through a legitimate means and that he was completely unaware that it was the shady business. So um, if you guys want to take a deep dive uh, there, uh, you can actually see um, in the notes, uh, there are some articles that post like the actual transcripts and, and um and what was on tape with Charlie the Crab in their conversation. Oh and it's funny. Gosh. It's, it's yeah, you, you yeah, got to yeah. check it out. So <laughs> so please um, definitely like go check out our, our website um, and wherever you listen because uh, we have those notes listed. So while he has all of this um, drama tied to him, and this was in 83, the main muckiness happens when he's a house rep. Oh, right. Because okay. remember, he's yes. a house he's rep through, through like okay. 2000s. Wow. Yes. yes. So... 
again, it's the ego on on some people. You know, mm-hmm. he, he gets out of this RICO trial um, and he decides to run for Congress. Right. You know, and it's probably because, hey, look, I got off. It's yes, the press. Untouchable. Everybody loves me. Yeah. And he's probably like, yeah, I can definitely get these people to vote for me. They right. just got me off on this this RICO trial. So he runs for a House seat. And this guy is like a little bit of a loose cannon. You know, he represents himself. He's been involved in some nefarious things, allegedly. So he's just an interesting character. And he, this, he, he develops this persona in the town. And um, he, he's just a character. So, for example, uh, even though the times were changing and we're in the early 80s, this guy, you could see... Uh, Jimbo still wearing polyester leisure suits. Yes. The denim honey leisure suits. Yes. Skinny ties. Uh, cowboy boots. And the best thing is he's got this this crazy uh, toupee. Ugh. And in some pictures, people would put like a raccoon on his head. <laughs> it was just what? out of control. What? So I got to show you. Please. I, I was going to say, if you don't you. have a picture right now, I'm going to stop the show and look it up. So, um... Let me pull this up for you. So this is um, one of his, this is Jimbo in his denim leisure suit. He's got the the full bell bottoms and everything. And this is how we'd show up to the house floor. No. Yes. So, and we'll post these on our Instagram. It's it's lovely. Um, (laughs) So during his swan song um, in 2001, on the house floor, he's quoted as saying, what has happened to us, Congress? Am I different? Yeah. Have I changed my pants? No. <laughs> Deep down, my colleagues know they want to wear wider bottoms. They're just not secure enough to do it. I do wear skinny ties. Yeah, wide ties made me look heavier than I am, and I'm heavy enough. Do I do my hair with a weed whacker? I admit. Like, this guy's like... <laughs> what a weirdo. And it's on the house floor. And so, you can imagine, like, you're watching C-SPAN and this guy's... It's entertaining. Yeah. You know? He was a showman. He made everything a spectacle. Right. Um, I have another picture, um, and this is from a, a later trial, where you can just see him sort of pandering to the crowd. And it's, well... You can just have a sense of... Oh, God, you I know, hate, he's, I cannot take it. Yeah, he's spreading his arms out wide. It's like, <sighs> here I am, you know? Yeah, this, is, this is him. Ugh. And he seemed to enjoy it. Uh, the other thing that he's famous for is when he would get upset about particular issues on the House floor and he would, you know, give his rebuttal or give his speech, he would end it with, beam me up, Mr. Speaker. Oh, my God. And it, referencing no. the old Star Trek series. Of course. I mean, so, what the hell? What's wrong with so him? So anytime he's annoyed, you know, like oh. this issue, he's like, beam me up. Just Ugh. beam me up, Mr. Speaker. Like he just was, Fuck. yeah, like no. a little wacky. Yes. Um, but he was there alone. They kept re- they kept reelecting him. Well, listen, if there's anything I know about the American voter, they're dumb as fuck. <laughs> All right? Please. So after 17 years, in 2001, Jimbo finally has to pay the piper mm. he gets indicted on 10 counts of bribery oh. racketeering oh. obstruction of justice and tax evasion so what are some of the specifics um i'm going to just kind of touch on some of these there was a documentary that uh, ed o'neill actually was involved in um you know from 
Married with Children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Al Bundy. Um, and that was called Trafficant, the Congressman of Crime Town, USA. Mm. And you can find it on Amazon Prime. And you can fall down the rabbit hole with this guy. <laughs> I also, there is a, a great little uh, book uh, that's called Beam Me Up. And it's all the quips. So he's famous for all of these crazy quotes that he he said over the years as his time on um, as a congressman. And they're just funny. Like he's just he he's he's it just blows the mind that, that this is someone representing the people. Right. You know, so um, throughout his time in Congress, he held meetings. Um, this is some of the things that he did that were criminal. He held meetings and wrote letters to federal and state officials on the behalf of local contractors. Like, hey, why don't you give these guys uh, this particular bid or whatever? And conveniently, those same construction workers uh, did some work for free on his uh, farm. So he did have a little farm that he um, uh, lived on. And and, um, so they did work on that farm and a little bit of that quid pro quo. Mm. Allegedly, this is one of my favorite things that he did. <laughs> uh, he paid his staff more money. So he gave his staff, say he gave his staff a 5% raise. I'm going to give you this 5% raise and you're going to kick 4% back to me. Or uh, else you're going to get fired. Ooh. Yes. And the, and so they, they would lose their job. Can you imagine? Like, we're going to raise your salary, but you got to kick some of it back to me if you wow. want that raise. Because, well, who's paying them, though? The House of Representatives, like, who's, they work for this, for the, for Congress. Yeah. So Congress is paying them. And then but he's, he's taking, taking that, he, and then he's taking he's that money. He's taking money back. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's not like he's paying them. They're getting yeah, paid as their yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, Right, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, allegedly, uh, those, some of the House staffers and his employees had to work on his farm and bail hay. Get the fuck. I swear to God. No, honey, yes. no. Yes. No, yes. I don't bail and, that hay. And, no. and work on his boat. When he realizes that the feds were... He has a boat with that thing on his head? He has a boat. He had a houseboat that he... Um, so when he would spend time in... So he's not um, cruising at high speeds with this thing no, flapping he, in the no. breeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he had a houseboat that he would live on. Oh, my yes. God. Um, so uh, when he realizes the feds are closing in, <laughs> he asks his staffers to destroy evidence and lie under oath if needed. I mean, who does he think is loyal? Why would he think these people are loyal to him when they're he's giving them they're giving him money back? Yeah, I mean, it's I, out of fear. I don't know. Oh God. And then he also did things like, hey, um, I'll promise to help you out using my political pool if you give me stuff. So you know, um, he got to use luxury cars, sports cars. He had a, a barn built on his farm. He got money to pay off that houseboat. Things like that. So obviously this guy is a mess. Yeah. So what were the consequences? Jimbo spends seven years in a federal prison, <laughs> and he's expelled from his house seat. Of course. By a near majority vote. There was only one person who voted to let him stay on, but everybody else in the house were like, you got to go. Yeah. Well, I, could you imagine they had to deal with this guy for a long time? Yeah. They, Ugh, they were like, an embarrassment. They, get out of here. Yeah. So one of Jimbo's final quotes to Congress really highlights what this guy was about. He says, politics is perception and facade, and all life has a little bit of extra glitz and unusual overt behaviors. So to me, this shows like everything is about deception, masking, pretending, you know? And one of my favorite Shakespeare quotes is, there are daggers in men's smiles. You know, you (laughs) you, you can't trust every 
anyone. Right. And he epitomizes that wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. You know, he's there, I'm the man of the people, but he's swindling everybody. Right. You know, he abused everybody's trust in that town. But there are people there that still, when his name is mentioned. Oh, my gosh. Like, still love him. And even after he, um, well, I'll get to that. But there was a, uh, after he, he uh, passes away, there's all of this memorabilia. They do this little, um, and you can see um, in this picture that they, they put up all of these artifacts from him, this suits. And um, when he was in jail, he took up art. And so they have his artwork up. And like oh, the, they still like this guy. Wow. Despite it all. You know, they, they, they can't believe, I guess, that he is as bad as he was, you know? Wow. So, of course, again, the ego in these people that we've been covering, right. it's just, it, I shouldn't act surprised, but I still am surprised because it's just something I would never do. But when he gets out, guess what? He changes his party affiliation from Democrat to Independent, and he runs for the very seat that he was expelled from. Tina, I cannot. Don't, and if you tell me <laughs> that he got elected... I'm out of here. Yes, no, no thankfully, come on, please. Oh, thankfully thank he loses. Thank God. But I mean, beam this guy up already. Yeah. Scotty, where are you? Scotty. Like, why won't he leave? Ugh. It's insane. Because he think. listen, I listen know. to me. How many times have we seen people running and we're like, why is why this happening again? Why are they doing it? I don't know. It happens in Florida. There's one per- person in particular. I am not going to mention this person's name because I cannot stand him. But he runs for Republican, Democrat, independent. Yeah. What? Pick a, pick a lane, bro. And it, but people vote for him. They vote. they vote for him and they put him in back in office and I don't understand it. It's, and how do you flip-flop? Nowadays, you're either right here or you're right there. Now, he did that because the party party said, don't don't run again. Don't run again. You know what yeah. I mean? But this person's flip-flopping all over the place. I don't understand. And the people, they still vote. And the people, he did get, I mean, he did get a percentage of it. It wasn't I'm like sure. no one voted for him. People did vote, but he didn't win. No one's putting a, uh, when I die, no one's going to put my, my outfits <laughs> up and my artwork yes. up in, in, a, in a room. Oh, my please. goodness. So some of the things, you know me, I always like to have my little interesting <laughs> little tidbits. So some things that I found interesting with this whole thing was that Trafficant was one of five people ever in history to be expelled from uh, the House of Representatives. Three of them were from the Civil War because they were, they were disloyal to the country. Okay, right. so that Get makes out. sense, right? Yeah. One was in the 80s for bribery, and then the other is this guy for the bribery and the racketeering. Wow. Wow. So it, this doesn't have, this is not a common occurrence. Right. Um, this is the other thing. So even though back in 83 he's acquitted, he, he represents himself and he gets acquitted for that crime, the IRS was like, wait a minute. You took a lot of money in from the mob. And even though you're acquitted of that criminal conviction, um, that doesn't put you off the hook from paying taxes on those bribes. Yeah. So he went to court again. And that time he lost and he had to pay 108000 I feel like when you go up against the IRS, forget it. You yeah, can't no. win. Yeah, no, no one's winning against the IRS. No, no. They're getting their money. So the court representatives of the IRS said, this is a civil case in which the burden of proof is based on a different standard. The jury determined only that reasonable doubt existed that the accused was guilty of the offenses charged. It doesn't mean necessarily he's off the hook of everything. Right. So he did lose that and he had to pay some money back. Um, the other thing I found interesting is... This guy went to federal prison, right? He's convicted of bribery, racketeering, and he's allowed to run again. And if he would have won, he would have been permitted that seat. So I was like, I have to look this up. So um, the rules for running for a House seat, and this is according to a 2015 congressional research report, says, quote, indictment, 
and or conviction of a crime that is a felony does not constitutionally disqualify one from being a member of Congress, nor from being a candidate for a future Congress, unless a member's conviction is for certain treasonous conduct committed mm. after taking an oath of office to support the Constitution. And it further notes there are only three qualifications for congressional office, and they're set out in the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 2, for representatives, which is age, right. citizenship, and inhabitancy in the state when elected. Right. And it's just crazy that there is nothing barring a convicted felon from running. And then we have these laws in certain states, <clears throat> Florida, <laughs> uh, where you can't vote or they want to restrict people for a criminal offense, but then someone can have a seat in a U.S. representative seat. Of course. So it's just... It's well, just... this is, you know, this is where the campaign kicks in. This is where you better hope that the per whoever's running against that person can very clearly lay out that this guy's a piece of garbage. You know what I right. mean? That's, that's right. like the last hope is that somebody good runs against them. Because if he's as charismatic as he tr as he's trying to be and yes. whatever, then you have to have somebody who's going to be really good to go against them to beat him. Right, which right. Which sounds like it happened, right? Yeah, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. So how um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was how Jimbo met his end. And so um, in 2014, so remember he has the farm where right. he had people where, and there was one article I read where they said that he had somebody working 16 hour days on the farm, bailing hay. Oh <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So um, supposedly, well, not supposedly, this is what happened. He was riding his tractor. And I guess these tractor accidents are Youngstown, common. Youngstown tune-up? <laughs> no, there was no Youngstown <laughs> tune-up. He was riding the tractor and the tractor flips. Oh, no, Yes, no, and bad. he um, it, he got trapped beneath yeah. it. And even though they took him out or whatever, he died two days later of asphyxia. Oh, my god! So gosh. I was like, wow, what a crazy end for this guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. That's the story of James Jimbo Trafficant. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the shocking thing about his death is that he was actually doing work on the farm himself yeah. <laughs> well he probably was just riding along in the tractor i think it was one of those uh, more old-fashioned types i'm yeah. not sure but yeah this good story good story yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> all right here we go i am going to talk to you about the amazing and sensational koya nutson nutson i have no idea is okay. it nutty it's not <laughs> i mean it's annoying and it make it will piss you off Ooh. but she was like I was looking up scandals and like women because I wanted to do a woman I'm like okay well I haven't really we haven't talked about a woman character like let's talk about somebody that but all the stories were like women have sex scandals too and I was like what bitch I don't want to hear about this I want to hear about something amazing I want to hear yeah. about, and I found this woman who you know not a lot of people know about her so and she's like this really fantastic woman and so I was like I'm gonna share this but there is this thing that happens to her uh -oh. which is bullshit and uh -oh. so i'm calling bullshit on this toxic masculinity right now <laughs> and uh and so okay so i wanted to give my sources i have the new york times article by robert mcgill thomas jr a timeline.com article by laura smith minnesota public radio article by dan gunderson and wikipedia so let's talk about koya okay cornelia Gistel. I'm gonna, I think that's how you say her last name. She's from Minnesota, but they call her Koya. She was born on August 22nd, 1912 in Edmore, North Dakota. She was raised on a very successful farm. Her father was 
and she probably had to bail that hey girl you know she yes. didn't, she wasn't they weren't getting some <laughs> staffer to come do it um her father was really into politics and it rubbed off on koya so this is okay. koya oh oh you know look at that i, I love that hairdo i do i was just gonna say <sighs> it's my favorite that little curl at the top yes so when when is this what, this what was probably this, this was probably in the fifties. She was born in nineteen twelve. Okay, so maybe or maybe the forties. Maybe she was in maybe she's in her thirties. Oh, I pretty, see, right? Yes, she has beautiful skin. <laughs> that skin. Okay, so Koya was very smart, and when she graduated high school, she attended Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota. She loved singing opera. Oh, yes. that's hard to do. She's wonderful voice. No. And uh, so she went to, after she graduated college, she went to New York, uh, to New York City to attend Juilliard and for, for opera singing. But she was only wow. there. I know. But she was only there for a year because she realized, like, I'm good, but I'm not this good. Like, she looked yeah. around. She's like, this isn't going to happen. So she I went, mean, Juilliard's the top of the top of the top. Yes. So. Yeah. So she went back home and um, she met a farmhand working on her dad's farm and his name was Andy Nutson. Oh. And uh so she, they got married and they opened a small hotel in Oakley, Minnesota, and they ran it together and they adopted an 8-year-old little boy named Terry in 1948. So they're running this hotel and um she was teaching music at the high school. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, she performed, you know, songs and she played the accordion and oh my she would go to the county fairs and, you know, perform. So here's a picture of them outside the hotel. You notice it's called Andy's Hotel. All right. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It could have at least been like the Nutsen or... No, we'll, we'll get something. into this. Okay. Uh-oh. That piece of shit. All right, here we Uh-oh. go. Uh-oh. So the, the husband's trouble. <laughs> yeah. So things weren't great at home. Okay? Mm. He, Andy, was an alcoholic. And mm. beyond that, he would physically beat her all the time. And um, it was, you know, devastating to her because she's in this marriage that's not going well and they had this little boy and so to get out of the house and find something to do she got into politics local politics nice yeah so she started getting involved with the democratic farmer labor party which at the time was the democratic party but it kind of scooped in almost like a caucus right the farmers and the labor party because it was a big farmland area right. and I mean, so yeah so um she got really involved and everybody really liked her you know she had this great personality and she was fun and she was smart and and uh so well, she has that artistic side which probably if you're singing opera going to juilliard yeah you're on the state you know so she probably has that natural ability to yeah to talk and meet yes, people and yes. get along so she served on the red lake county public welfare board in in 1948 and she was the chairwoman for the democratic Fam farm i'm just gonna call them dfo Okay. Democratic Farm Labor Committee and attended that year's Democratic Presidential Convention as a delegate. So eventually the party asked her to run for the state house in Minnesota in 1950. Wow. Yeah, she ran and she won. Good for her. Yes, and then she was reelected in 1952. So she had these four years under her belt. And, and so at this time, is she still with the husband? Yes. And he, is, is the physical abuse still happening? Yes. So even yes. though she's... Yes. Okay. And she, uh, they talked about how um, people who were close to her or knew her knew about this, but she wanted to make a public statement because she wanted to leave, right? She wanted to leave the husband. But people around her were like, it's not a good idea. You don't well, talk about 19, your personal it's life. It's 1950s. Yeah. And yes. it's North Dakota? Yes. Yeah. It was very, you know, in that sort of way. So 
you know, she it, that didn't ever get to happen. So when she was in the state house, she focused on strengthening the fair employment practice, which fights for a workplace against which fights workplace discrimination. She increased state aid for the for education, and um, she also sponsored a clean air bill to limit public smoking. Wow, which, which I'm against. I am for smoking everywhere all the time. Give me a cigarette. I need it. <laughs> no, you're not. No. I disagree. I, I wish I was in Paris every moment of my life. No. I could just smoke and blow it in someone's no. face. No. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. My husband uh, can't even. Uh, he gets so annoyed with me because if we are out in public and someone is smoking a cigarette and I am walking by, I, I, I'm like, oh, my lung, there's, there's everything. I can't. And he's like, you, that you're not being affected by that. And I said, no, I am. There, there should be no smoking anywhere. I need to just breathe oh, freely. My kids start coughing. It's so rude. Like, as soon as my daughter smells, smells uh, smoke, she's like, and then people are turning around and like, what the, like, I'm not going to get in a fight over this, though. So, like, deal with it. No, I like that. Mm. Uh, my little one will say, Someone is cigaretting around here. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, kid. I got the cigarette. Oh, I want them so bad, but I know I can't. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. She also, <laughs> she also advocated for migrant workers and disabled children and people struggling with mental illness. So she's like on top of her game in the, in the capital of Minnesota doing her thing, right? But she's setting her sights higher. So okay. she wants to go uh, serve in the U.S. Congress, representing wow. the 9th District of Minnesota. But the party had different ideas for that seat, right? Mm-hmm. They already had somebody picked out. They had handpicked uh, Curtis Olson to run. Um, they were trying to change their image a bit. They wanted to um, kind of class up the joint, I guess, you know? And so they knew that this person, the way he looked, the way he sounded, would 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 attract more, uh, a, a different class of people to come vote for the party. And she had this, like, Minnesota, like, she had yeah. this thing where she, and she was loud, and she had the accordion, and she would sing. Like, she was just this different, just... It wasn't what they're looking for to go right. to the Congress, right? I so, love that she's herself, though. And I yes. love also that even despite all the problems at home where sometimes people who are in abusive rela- relationships end up second-guessing guessing themselves, lacking confidence that she is still... It's like she found it there. Yeah, she, you know? she's moving forward. Yes. And, and this is her thing. I, and she was proud of who she who she was you know she wasn't trying to hide who she was she was very proud of of what she sounded like who she was and and the the party was pissed that she was gonna run because she's like i'm doing it anyway and they discouraged her to not run they said we're not gonna give you money we're not gonna support you and she ran anyway and so she hadn't um inherited this uh, farmland from her dad and she sold it for like five thousand dollars and she hit the road right so she packs up her car with her son and her accordion and they start driving um all over this district Twenty thousand miles wow. i'm sorry twenty five thousand miles they traveled and they talked to more than twenty thousand people wow yeah and she's like playing songs in the accordion yes but you know what yes. people are gonna remember that yeah she and listen to this she would she get out and play the accordion she'd sing her songs she would go farm to farm right and this is a woman who was raised on the farm oh, so she knows what she their issues there. are she knows their yes, problems she got she knows there when what the they sun need. came up she met them in the barn listen this is my favorite thing i'm ever going to say on this podcast she would milk their cows and talk to them no. about voting and district in her district wow while mil- milking the cow <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the utter squeeze as i'm looking at tina's face and that's why she's laughing okay oh look gosh. could you imagine this is how hardcore and she's amazing. dedicated. Look at this picture. She's so here's dedicated. a picture of her on the oh, farm. Oh, goodness. Oh, in my her God. dress and heels. 
I was just going to say, she's got like little mules on. Yeah, she looks absolutely stunning. She's got to stand next to that cow. But she would probably just be ready to, to yeah. go. And look and at take... the guys with her with the hats on, the farmers over here. I mean, she was... Can I, I yes. just want to take a closer look. This is a great picture. Yeah. Uh, the men, I love that, that the men are all in the background in the photo. Because they're probably the like, center. what in the hell, right? So she's, so this is what she did. And she was nonstop. And she was relentless. And she worked hard. And what happens when you do that is, bitch, you win, right? And so she won in the primary. And then she went on to beat um, the Republican incumbent. Great. Who had been there for six terms. Wow. She beat him. And she was the first ever congresswoman from South, from, I'm sorry, from Minnesota to be elected to the U.S. Congress. First woman ever. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I said North Dakota earlier, but she's Minnesota. She's Minnesota. Okay. I think I, did I say something about North Dakota? Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. No, Minnesota. Okay. Oh, wait, maybe she was born in North Dakota? Okay. okay I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. that's okay. So she went off to D.C., but not a lot of people, you know, the party at least was not happy about it. Right. Yeah. Well, and get so over even it. Now though, she's even elected. though she's part of their party and she won, they were not happy that she ran again. That you know that she did this without them. And she was probably one of the few women I would imagine at the time. Yes. Yes. Especially from that area of the country. Yes. Yeah. So she gets to D.C. and she made a lot of friends, including the Speaker of the House, Sam Rayburn, who, who offered her a seat because of of how well she ran her campaign and how hard she worked and the fact that she wasn't supposed to be there. He was really impressed by her. And he said, you could have any seat on any committee that you want. Oh. And so she, of course, wanted to pick the agricultural committee because that's what she knows, right? Like that's, that's where perfect she is. for her. Yes. And she was the first ever member, female member of that committee. Way to go. I love, <laughs> she is a badass. I love her. Okay. So the chairman, this is my, this is also awesome. The chairman of that committee, Harold Cooley, fought hard against having a woman on the committee. But after six months of serving with Koya, he said, frankly, I would not swap her for one half dozen men. Wow. Yeah. That's how amazing wow. she was. Yeah. And at that working. time, like that is yeah. a huge compliment. Yes. And I think she now probably, today I'd be like, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she works hard. She knew she had to get on there yeah. and really work hard to prove that she could be just as you know, effective as a man, right? Yeah. And earn her, she had to earn her spot, unfortunately. But, you know, these are the women who paved the way Correct. for other women to be in that, Correct. to be in office. So these are some of the things she did in her two terms there because she was reelected again to the U.S. Congress. She championed small farmers from her state. Um, she pushed the Eisenhower administration to export goods outside of the U.S., uh, she created a school lunch assistance program. Wow. Yeah. That's really, especially in those rural yes. communities. Yes. Yeah. She, uh, because of her experience as a teacher, she created the first student loan bill. Um, when she took, what? yes, when she took to the house floor to talk about the bill, she said, quote, we can't take the risk of limiting education to only those who can afford it. As our nation grows, so should our democracy grow and our thinking along educational lines should and must grow with it. Right. Here, here. Yes. So um, because of her pushing for this, the National Defense Education Act was passed in September 1958. It established a seven-year, $1 billion loan company, $1 billion loan and grant program for Navy students. Amazing. Nice. She, grant, she also granted a million dollars to the University of Minnesota to fund cystic fibros fibrosis research. And then she introduced bills to support the indigenous people from her district. Wow. Amazing. That's very progressive for yes, the time. Yes, yes. 
So here we go. 1956. Uh, I know. Here we go. So the 1956 presidential primary is coming up. And despite what the local DFL party wanted um, in Minnesota, they, they were supporting Adlai Stevenson, who was running in the Democratic presidential primary. Koya, though, decided to support Tennessee Senator Estes Kafarver. Kafarver? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, because Kafarver had a better uh, farm policies and proposals which would favor of course her constituents because that's who right. she represents and that's her job right yeah. so she liked this other guy better but because the party wanted stevenson or, and the party wanted stevenson because it was rumored that he was going to be chosen um that he was going to be choosing minnesota senator hubert humphrey as his running mate okay so they of course wanted that minnesota representation in in the white house or as vice president okay yes so not only did koya support Kafaver, but she also was a chairperson for his campaign and campaigned all over minnesota for him which she's a fantastic campaign yeah. person you know she she's out there stomping the ground stomping she all knows over the place. how to yes. connect to the people in that yes, area and talk to them um and if you go to those farmers and you say this is the things that he's about they're gonna vote for him you know so um Kafaver ended up beating stevenson in the minnesota primary so the guy she wanted actually won um, and of course, the leaders were angry about this. The party leaders, and they a lot of the blame they were pushing on Koya. It was her fault, you know, because <laughs> she's the only one in the room with a vagina. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just this always just goes back to, you know, who, who people think deserve something, and yes. let the people decide what they want. If the people decided they wanted this other person, they made that decision. Right. Let it go. Right. Let it go. Yeah. And, and why don't you put your support now into? this person and right. move forward right well okay so in the end stevenson adlai stevenson won the democratic presidential nomination and he he chose kafaver to be his running mate instead of hubert humphrey so even though the candidate that they liked got the nomination he they didn't choose humphrey but fine yeah. whatever but anyway dwight eisenhower ended up beating stevenson yes. in the election in that november so okay now the party's you know uh, to the level of piss that they're like fuck her right we are now done with this lady we want her out and how are we going to do it right we oh, got to get her out of tarn- office they're going to tarnish her reputation mm-hmm. so um koya had separated from her husband she had moved to dc permanently she had brought her son with her like they weren't Great. together and i mean because it was to the point where, like in the beginning of her going to dc when she would come home she'd go back with like black eyes she had to wear like sunglasses to cover eyes in dc like it was just so she ended up leaving Good for but her. Andy, being the piece of shit, tur- you know, turd bird that he is, like, he hated that she was successful. He he resented her as, you know, being somebody who not only didn't need him, but was, like, successful without him. You know what I mean? He was a piece of shit. Right. So um, in early 1957, the DFL leaders approached Andy about supporting the candidate that was running against Koya in her upcoming what? third term election. And he was so jealous of her that he he went along with it. So someone's running against her in the primary <laughs> this eat so he doesn't think about their son no he doesn't think about the future ramifications no. this could have on other people no his own selfish yeah jealous oh yes so then they did this they wrote a series of letters and they had andy sign them and then they issued them to the papers and it ran first on the in the home papers in minnesota and then it made national news and the headline was Koya Come Home. 
and I'm going to read you this letter because it's so... Oh, so she abandoned. She abandoned yeah. her husband. Wait, is this, is this the angle this, we're getting to? Yes. Wait till you hear this letter. You are going to, like, vomit. Oh, All right, goodness. here we go. Ready? Quote, Koya... I got to try to read this without being sarcastic because it's so disgusting. I'm sorry. Okay. okay, quote, Koya, I want you to tell the people of the 9th District this Sunday that you are through with politics that you want to go home and make a home for your husband and son. Oh, no, no. As your husband... Burn the papers down. <laughs> As your husband, I compel you to do this. I'm tired of being torn apart from my family. I'm sick and tired of you having, having you run around with other men all the time and not your husband. Please return to the happy home we enjoyed. I love you, honey. End quote. One, he doesn't love her. Well, he didn't write Two, it. Two, they've been separated for how long yeah, at but, this point? But see, and that's the other thing. So, like, he didn't write this letter. They so wrote the letter. He signed it. So she is this horrible woman. Yeah. She has uh, escaped from the, the homemaker sphere. Yes. She has, she has burrowed her way into the male arena. Yes. And what a disgusting creature she is, please. And so, because she had never discussed her marriage, like, publicly, even like I, get, I said, people who knew her knew that she had all these problems at home, but because the general public didn't know, uh, you know, this, he was this sympathetic character. Well, this and is like, what, what year is this? The, so this, this is like now 19, let's see, she ran in, let me go look real quick. So late 50s, early 60s time? Let me see, let me see, sorry. 54, 56, so it have been 58. Yeah, so we're still in the... Yeah, so so we're leave in this, it, we're in the leave it to beaver yes. the Donna Reed. But there's also women who are starting to go back go to work and are starting to uh push against this idea of like what what a woman's place is in the world, especially in the home. And so that's what this all brought to light was this public now argument about what women where they're supposed to be and what are they supposed to be doing. And so even though she was being physically abused and beaten, she never even, even after the letter came out, the most she ever said about it was that, um, it's quote, I had personal problems long before I went to Congress. That's the only thing she ever said to the newspapers when they and, asked her And P.S., that's her personal problems. Right. She doesn't need to air right. to the world, even if she was being physically abused. That's still a very personal thing that she maybe doesn't want to share with all of America, and right. she doesn't have to be forced into making an excuse or justifying her actions for wanting to do what any other guy does. No man has to justify why they're running or what they're doing. Right. So why should she have to? Because again, I mean, if it was today, it'd be one thing, but this is a different time. Yeah. You know, she, she probably had to fight against all of that all the time. Yes. All the time. I'm sure this people confused horrible. her for like a secretary at Congress. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that that was like happening all the time. So the letters didn't keep her from winning the primary. She did win her primary, but she lost the general election to the Republican Odin Langan. And this guy's campaign slogan was a big man for a man-sized job. Oh. So, you know, a dick. Yes. Fucking so, dick. Well, they're, they're uh, playing up on it, by the yes, way. Yes. You know? They're capitalizing totally. on that situation yes. and reminding everyone yeah. who, who, who should have the position. Exactly. Oh, okay. So, so what happens to her? Okay, after so this? soon, so, after, where does she go? So soon after the election, Koya filed for divorce, and then she stayed in D.C. and she worked for the Defense Department. Um, when she she did try to win the seat again two years later, but it was over. Like once that happened, you know, and there was these charges, like charges of adultery, even like even what he was saying, like you're running off around with other men. It was just so ridiculous, you know. Um, 
but she she never won the seat again. So Andy Nutson died of acute alcohol poisoning in 1969. So not long after this. Koya did not attend the, uh, the funeral. Like, fuck yeah. off. We're done. Yeah. Why do I have to go to this piece yeah. of shit, right? So another woman from Minnesota would not be elected to the U.S. Congress until 2006. What? Yeah. And that woman is Amy Klobuchar, who's now running for presidency. Yes. Um, and after retiring in 1972, Koya moved back to Minnesota with her son, Terry, and she died in 1996 at 84 years old. Damn. And there's some remembrance of her in Minnesota. I know recently the women that are in the state state uh, legislature there have attempted to put get stuff done so they can get like a statue for her, but it always fails, like it doesn't go through. And so, so there's not much remembrance there, but... I mean, she's pretty badass and like, yes. you know, just what a remarkable, who knows what else could have come from, from oh, her being and, back in yeah. Congress and what changes, and what good what, she could have done. That's, it's incredible. Yeah. And it's just incredible that, that, you know, especially then if there, even if it was a man who had a charges of adultery, that would be a career ender. Yeah. And for a woman, even more so. Right. You know. It's amazing. Ugh. That's terrible. So that's Koya Nutsen. Oh, girl but she turned it when she had to yeah she got that job done oh my god (laughs) all right well thank you guys so much for listening (laughs) and you know like we said earlier please um subscribe please follow us on insta and please visit our patreon page if you'd like to give us additional support we have three different tiers and there are different goodies attached to each tier uh, you could be a muckraker or a policy wonk or a bleeding heart if you really, really want to help us out. So uh, we appreciate all your support, and we can't wait to do the next episode. That's right. So if you have any stories you want to offer, you can send them to the muckpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, this was awesome. So I can't wait for next week, episode five. Yes. Can you believe it? Woo. Episode five already? That's amazing. I know. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. All right. So... So good to see you again. You too. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.